Good morning, faith community. Now, I have to tell you, I grew up Pentecostal. Yes. So in a Pentecostal church, whether you know it or not, you will hear some amens. You will hear some, yes, God. You will hear, way to go, God. Whatever you might, there might be a bunch that you hear, right? And in fact, you might even see people that like actually stand and clap their hands and and you might even see some people that are just running and rejoicing in God. So my point is, during this morning, during this, this message that I'm, I'm giving this morning, feel free to be Pentecostal, <laughs> all right? I don't mind it. I like talking with people. I originally, um, I'm not a preacher. I'm a teacher. I, I, I taught for, for years and also became an administrator in schools. So uh, preaching, I've never looked at myself as a preacher, you know? But then I'm like, I've got a word to share. I've got a word to share. I don't take this morning lightly. I find it an honor and a privilege to stand where our pastors have stood and shared the gospel. I am just a broken person that wants to come and just share a little bit about my life today and what God has laid on my heart. So is that okay? Yes, and amen. Thank you. That's where it is. Amen. All right, so recently, uh, recently, I actually uh, traveled out west, and I am not one that likes to fly. I don't like flying. I, I, it's just, I haven't flown that much in my life, you know? So uh, we're going out west, and it's kind of funny. We're at the airport, and as soon as we get to the airport, I'm going to use the restroom, and this is what I see. <clears throat> I'm like, well... I better pick green, I guess, and I'm hoping that the experience that I'm about to have out west is also green and that my flight is green. I hope that today's message for you is green, okay? So, you know, we went out west, and it was a a wonderful time. Uh, 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 The girls, uh, twins and I and Molly went out out west and... um, just had, just had a, a wonderful experience on a dude ranch, and we were there just, it was hot, sure, right? But they, they call that the dry heat, right? So it makes it a little bit easier, but it was very warm. And I, I have to tell you, I guess as a young boy, I was meant to be a cowboy. And, um, and because evidently, I did ride a horse when I was younger, so I thought, why not do this while I'm out west? I don't know if any of you know, I love hats. I mean, Molly gets on me all the time, like, because I buy hats everywhere we go. Like, I got to get a hat. So out west, I I got my hat, and it it was my cowboy hat. And I was told, I had to ask the real cowboy there, okay, how do you, amen. Yes. I had to ask the real cowboy there, okay, 
how do you pick a hat? Because I picked my first hat, and it was way, it just wasn't right. Like, it flew off immediately. And he said, well, if you put your hat on, and then you flick it in the front, and it doesn't fall, then it's perfect. So I bought me a wonderful hat, and I was ready to do out west. <laughs> and not only does it get better than that, Dozer. Dozer. Evidently, I was meant to be out west, right? I had my hat. I had everything I needed to be a cowboy. I was ready to go. Ready to do it. Ready to go out there and ride this horse, Dozer. Now, it was interesting, of the four horses that we had, mine was Dozer, right? And Dozer was actually a younger horse, a younger horse. And we each had a horse that kind of described us. Uh, Tati's was Scout. Molly had three horses. That tells you anything. Had to get a different one every day there. Cowgirl, Amigo, and Vegas. And then Tia had Montana. Tia was in the front, and she would ride Montana. And Montana kind of did whatever it wanted to. See where I'm going here. Whenever it wanted to. And, and Montana would just leave the group every once in a while and just start going and doing whatever, grazing on the side. And Tati's, she just had to keep on telling it kind of, Let, let's go, let's go. Tati's very soft-spoken. And her horse, yeah, very much like Tati. Molly's, mind of its own, each one. Like, it was like they're doing whatever, and I was behind that horse, right? So I'm trying to, to be with that horse. And then, of course, Dozer, not sure why I had the largest horse that was out there, but I did. And uh, the thing is, is that we're ready to go and, and, and be on these horses and go, go on rides. We got there, and it's like, okay, we're going to ride at 5.30. Okay, awesome. I've got my cowboy hat. I'm ready to go. Now, mind you, when I was a younger kid, that was probably the only time I ever rode a horse, just one time. And I remember when I rode that horse, the saddle wasn't tight enough, and as I was going, I was riding sideways on the horse. So that was about the only experience I had with a horse, right? So I'm on Dozer, we're going out, experiencing this out west, not knowing it, it was going to be about a two-and-a-half-hour ride, right? So two-and-a-half hours... I discovered something very quickly. That saddle. I obviously have trouble with saddles. <laughs> Evidently, my saddle just wasn't, um, it didn't leave me enough space. And I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. <laughs> um, it didn't leave me enough space between my bottom and the saddle. So the whole time, I was just doing this on the horse. And uh, it was... It didn't feel good. It didn't feel good, right? And I didn't really know how to instruct this horse either. I didn't know what to tell Dozer, you know? I'm like, what do I have to do here? So over the following days, because we were there for three days or so, we rode twice a day, two and a half hours each time. So at 6 a.m. and then at 5.30 p.m. so that the sun could start to go down a little bit and not be so hot. But what I was amazed at was the, the point that as I was doing it, and I, I did it each time, I got better and better and better. 
these horses just followed each other. They were trained to just follow that leader and just go in one pack as they're going out through, you know, this desert area. By the time that I was done, yes, they fixed my saddle. No longer was I, you know, hurting and, and, and it's just not working. I knew when to stand up. Stay down. I knew, yeah, Stay. I knew when to tell Dozer what, you know, what to do to try to, like, slow down Dozer. Don't hit the horse in front of you, Dozer. Right? So I learned how to be a cowboy in about three days. Now, we had a wonderful time out west. It wasn't just here. We also went to uh, Sedona and Mount Zion and just saw beautiful, beautiful spaces that God has created. But that was my out west experience. We also went to Greece. We went to Greece. Now, mind you, you guys have been a part of this. Even with the Out West trip, we hadn't really been anywhere, right? Because the last year and a half has just made it to where, hey, what are we doing, you know? So I, I said to Molly, you know, it'd be nice if we could, could go somewhere. I did not expect her to come back with, let's go to Greece. I've never been into another country besides Mexico, right? I also didn't know that it was going to take about 10 and a half hours to get to Greece on a plane. So you can imagine my anxiety of this is about to happen, right? Greece was wonderful as well. You know, as we're there, we were able to see Hadrian's Library. There was also an outdoor theater of Odeon Herod's Atticus. This, as I'm showing you these, it kind of reminds you of history books that you've seen, right? It was really weird walking through all this. Like, I've seen this stuff, right? The Parthenon, right? Acropolis. If I can get it there. There we go. Yeah, the Acropolis. So we're walking through all these different places. And, and, the, and the photos that you're seeing today, uh, majority are, are the ones I took, right? The ones that I took. But we also saw this olive tree, right? It was there. But we had a guide, and this guide proceeded to tell us about everything Greece and was explaining all the different things that we saw. And I, I found it fascinating because he got to a portion that he started to explain to us all of the different gods, the Greek gods. We've seen these, right? Zeus, Ares, Athena. All the different ones. And he explained everything about the different gods and how there was different gods there that everybody worshipped, right? And then he comes to one specific place. And I love this. This here. Paul actually preached a sermon here. It was called Mars Hill. And it was right next to the Acropolis and everywhere that we had just seen everything about all these different gods. And Paul decided to come and preach a sermon to everyone that was there. And you'll, you'll learn more about that later. But my, my neatest experience being in Greece, the fact that the water was so clear. Like you could just see 
for a long distance in this water. And the water was beautiful, and, and the landscape that was beside it, and it was almost just like, I can't believe I'm, I'm here, you know? It's just so beautiful. Well, Molly and I were having a wonderful day, and she says to me, Sean, um, would you like to go paddleboarding? I am a big guy. And uh, I've never paddleboarded, but I didn't want to tell my wife, no, I don't want to go paddleboarding. Now, Molly is an excellent paddleboarder. She, she was great, right? She's out there. And, and when I took this, I had my GoPro. And, and mind you, I'm probably still sitting on, on my paddleboard and, and trying to get out to her. And it was for a while. I just kind of kept sitting. And I thought, okay, I'm going to end up getting up on this paddleboard. And I did. Exactly. That's when you would say amen. And I got on the paddleboard, and it was like, oh, my goodness. Here I went into this thinking, I'm never going to be able to do this. I'm a, I'm a big guy, and I'm out here in the Aegean Sea, and I'm going to go out in this paddleboard. Now, do not think that I was like a professional paddleboarder instantly. I fell immediately once I got up. And I had to swim with my paddleboard all the way back to the edge so I can get back up on the paddleboard because I couldn't do it out in the water. I did that three times, I think, while Molly's just out there doing everything. But I got back up. I eventually was there and... Now, I guess what? I'm a paddleboarder, right? So that was a, a, an enjoyable time, and I eventually was able to stand on the paddleboard. This was a big deal to me, right? But it was a brand new thing, brand new thing. So today, I'm going to talk to you about get back up again. Get back up again. My father recently, it was like, I would say two months ago, got that call of, hey, dad's not doing well, and we think that he needs to go to the hospital. He's having some chest pains, and we need to get him there. So immediately, how many, we don't like those calls, right? We get those calls. So immediately go to my father's house, and he's there, and he, he isn't, he's not feeling well. It's like, pops, we're going to go to the hospital. Toad vines do not like hospitals, and that's my last name. I've had two brothers pass away, and we actually went to the same hospital that my oldest brother passed away, and I believe we were in the room right next to where we took my brother. So I was not wanting to be there, right? Pops is good. He's doing well. But as I was there, I noticed something on the wall. See that yellow one? Fall risk. I feel like I could wear that all the time. And I'm not necessarily just talking about tripping over and falling over things. When I started this, I said, hey, I'm, I'm a broken person. I'm not here to try to tell you that I'm better than anybody in this room. In fact, I probably fall daily. There's probably something each day that, I, that I'm like, oh, I can do better at that. I need that around my wrist. I need it. Just as many might need it today. Wanted to share that. Some know the words of this song, probably, a lyrics, if you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make a change. That's something that I've done personally. 
I'd say in the last six months, I've done it even more. Just some certain things, I'm just like, Sean, be better. Do better. Get back up again. There are three things that I'm going to share with you that have helped me. There's numerous things, and some of these might be easy to some, but it was just something that I, myself, needed to work on. The first one, pray or prayer. If you have, and, and this is an open conversation here, if there's something that you um, really need to tell somebody, or you have that certain person that you talk to, um, who, who might that be? Just start throwing them out there. Doesn't, does, wife, okay? Who, who else? Mom. Dad. Who else? Best friend. Yeah, yeah, best friend. Yeah, yeah. So we had a couple best friends. Yes. There are certain people in our life that we want to share things with and we want to talk to and, and, and tell them. But I would tell you this, and, and it, it, I find it kind of interesting. 96% of adults say they have an internal dialogue. While self-talk out loud is less common, 25% of the adults say that they do it. I am a part of that 25% as well. I will even talk to myself out loud. I often wonder what people think sometimes when I am doing that, right? But you've heard that garbage in, garbage out, right? You are in conversation with yourself a lot, a lot more than you think. So one thing that I did is this, and I, I learned of this a long time ago, but it was like, get back up again, right? There's an app that you put on your phone, it's the YouVersion Bible, not only just the fact of that you can get scriptures, right, and those will come to you daily, but you can also do devotions. There's like five-day devotions, and it will remind you, and they're not that long. So as I'm driving in my car, I'll play one of those devotions, and it just gets me on sync there, right? Just gets me, okay, one step closer, one step closer. So that's one thing that I would say. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. That's Philippians 4 and 6. I was recently at a football game, and Atia cheers. And we were there to see her cheer, and uh, we're at the Sycamore District. And the football team's coming, and I see this football player and his dad. And, and it was one of those. They start walking across the field, and I'm like, what are they doing? doing. The rest of the team's going that way. What, why would they think that they need to walk over the field? They, didn't, they then just knelt down and started praying. And I was just like, Sean, how beautiful for that father to just be like, hey, we're about to have a game. Let's pray. Bree, that's my daughter. She went to college, and um, Bree, being there, and she'd probably be unhappy if I was even sharing this, so don't tell her. Don't tell her online either. Um, we got her up to college, and uh, the first week, and, and this is like this for many, it was a little rough, a little rough patch. Like, it's new. I'm away from home. Bowling Green State University. Yeah, woo, yeah. That could have been louder. <laughs> Um, right. 
And she was there, and she started, uh, she had talked to me a little bit. And some time had passed, and um, I just, out of the blue, I text her. I started texting her. And uh, I told her, I said, Bree, I'm going to have some people pray for you. And I reached out to a few of my, my prayer warriors that are here at the church, and uh, I was like, hey, can you just lift up Bree? You know, and instantly I was getting responses back. We're lifting her up, we're lifting her up. And uh, I sent a text to Bree. I said, done. She said, thank you. I said, you got this, Bree. You can t- continue to lean on God's shoulders. I'm trying. That's all you can do. It's all I've been trying to do. And then I started sending some scriptures for her to read. And then she says this, I did ask for a sign, and I think this is it, because you texted me right after. Amen. Makes me feel a little bit better. Prayer. That tug in your heart when you have it that you need to reach out to somebody isn't a mistake. That is God's spirit trying to tell you, reach out to that person. It is God's timing. It's whether you're going to take that step. Amen? Amen. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. Psalm 34, 17. The next one, encourage. Encourager. We have some encouragers around this church, I'm telling you. One that comes to mind is Misty Oldfield. Misty, she works with the children. And Misty in timely fashion, will contact me out of the blue through email, or she'll send a text, and she's feeling that tug of, I need to reach out, right? And she's sending it, and it is a word of encouragement. A word of encouragement. When the girls were little, I would be driving in my car, and 104.3, Caleb, they have that 30-day challenge of listening to music. Now, most of the time, I have 104.3 on in my car anyway, but I remember Bree was probably about 11 or 12, and she got in the car, and I, I had been doing well, well, right? She got in the car and changed my radio station, and I was like, Bree, I'm in the 30-day challenge. <laughs> she had no clue what I was talking about, and I explained it to her, and to this day, she still gets in my car and asks if she can change the station, are you on the 30-day challenge? But this morning as I was driving in and I was coming in, I heard this, Proverbs 16 and 24. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. I was like, wow, that is about encouragement and I'm about to talk about it. Here's a verse that I would like to read. It is Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I said it earlier, Paul, and I'm not going to read all this, Acts 17, 22 and 31 at that, that, on Mars Hill where he went and he preached to all, the, uh, all those that were there in Athens. Just his first part. So Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that you are very religious in all respects. Now you go and read the rest of this. And Paul then goes into a sermon about repentance. 
he starts by talking to all of these Athenians and saying, you're religious people. You are religious people. Now, it was for those Greek gods that we were talking about, right? But he didn't go in there and just say, hey, you guys are awful. I can't believe you're doing this. You are living, you know, in a way that you don't need to live, and you're terrible people. They probably would not have listened to Paul after he had started the conversation like that. Do you see where I'm going? Encourage people. Try to encourage a kind word. Make it a game. Maybe with your family at home, you know, you say, okay, we're going to get some points each day for those that can start a conversation with some sort of encouragement. Try to do it. Pastor Julie, in her emails, and I've, I've heard her say it often too, better together. We are better together, so why not encourage each other while we're doing it? Better together. Serve and servant. So we serve in many ways here at Faith, and it's so beautiful, right? So on Tuesday nights, helping other ways, going out in the community and just mowing the grass or helping at their homes. But there's also those that just serve week after week here. And I love it. I don't want to mention a bunch of names, but there's just some people that come to my mind, right? Just servants. And what I like about it, like Randy. Randy comes around here. He's helping me last night. Randy didn't ask questions. like, what do we need to do? Let's do it. Serve. Terry, he serves. Terry helps each week with me doing things here in, in the worship space. And the thing I like about him, again, it isn't like, Sean, you're crazy, we shouldn't do it. I know I'm crazy, by the way. But Sean, you're crazy, we shouldn't do it. No, it's how can I help serve? How can you help serve? Not only here at the local church, but some of you are administrators. Some of you are working in schools. How can you help serve, Right? I like this about Dan as well. Because Dan, last year with the live nativity, it was like, Dan, I need somebody to help me with the live nativity. I need somebody that can help do the fire and help me just make sure everything goes well with the traffic. Dan was like, let's go. We need servants. Servant. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Matthew 9, 37, 38. We talked about prayer, right? Combine all these together, encouragement and being a servant. We also need to pray, God, bring them in. Bring them in. Bring them in. We've got good news to tell those that are outside of our of faith community here. Get back up again. And I'm going to talk about this real quickly here. How many watched some of the uh, Olympics? Olympics? Yeah. There was one swimmer in particular, Ahmed, Tunisian, 18 years old, 400-meter freestyle. He was not even, it was 14 hundredths of a second that he even made the finals. And he did so horrible that they put him in the outer lane, Right? And I don't know if you know much about the outer lane. But the reason they put swimmers in the outer lane is because it's harder. The water that's being, you know, the swimmers here is beating against that wall. And the thought process is this. They're already too slow. 
we don't have to put them in the middle where we have the main contenders. How would you feel about that? That would make me feel awful. 18 years old, wins gold. Wins gold. Beat all those others. There was another one, and this is from the Paralympics. Ibrahim lost his arms due to a train accident when he was 10 years old. When he was 10 years old, lost his arms. And he said this, in our village, we can only play at that time table tennis and soccer. That's why I played both. It was logic to play soccer first due to my case. Then I played table tennis as a challenge. Wow. And we think we have it bad, right? Get back up again. These guys are getting back up again, and I love it. I also enjoyed watching sitting volleyball U.S. women's champions. All these ladies had come together and, and all, you know, missing, missing limbs and they were phenomenal. Phenomenal. Get back up again. It reminds me of that, you ever seen that Toyota commercial? The Toyota commercial? I, some of you got it. If you haven't, Google it. Toyota Olympic commercial. Just, just watch it. Just watch it. It just encourages you. Encourages you. Pastor Tim said a quote, this is about four years ago. You can't look into the future through the mud of your past. That stuck with me, obviously, because I still have it. You can't look at the future if you keep on thinking about the past. I said in the beginning, broken person, fallen. But I get back up again. I get back up again. Swimming on that outside lane, I'm sure in our lives, we may have certain things that we, you know, things we didn't even have control of. Being raised in a home that might have been broken. Being brought up in, in, in poverty. Things that, you know, we, we don't have control of, maybe. Get back up again. You can do it. Get back up again. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. 1 John 4 and 18. I experienced this even though I knew about, you know, God loves me, I get it. But if you have not been able to do a, a small group with uh, Pastor Dwayne, I, I experienced it in that, and, and half of the time was actually during COVID, and we're, you know, trying to do it on Zoom. But I, I never had really taken it in and looked at it like that. It's not punishment. God loves you. God loves you and he's for you. And he loves you. Loves you. Amen. Yeah. Even at my worst, this is a song, you love me. You wrap your arms around me and you hold me close. Even at my worst, you give something I don't deserve. You love me even at my worst. I'm about to play a clip for you. And uh, just kind of listen to it, take it in. And uh, there was this song uh, that I've actually, it's just kind of been in my head during this, this whole time. 
Um, it's we fall down, but we get up. We fall down, but we get up. We fall down, but we get up. For the saint is just a sinner who fell down and got up. Just a beautiful song. There have been times in my life when I've been down. I've been out, I've been afraid. I've looked up at the road ahead and been completely unsure. And I can say firsthand when you're going through a situation like this, that uh, it essentially consumes you, right? It's all you see, it's all you think about to the point where the good stuff the opportunity all around you, it becomes transparent. You see right through it. It's the negative, it's misfortune for a period of time that becomes your narrative, becomes the story. What if this is forever? What if I'm not as good as I wanna be or as they are? What if things don't work out? Never mind the fact that you've been here before and you've battled back. Never mind how far you've come. No, that takes a back seat to the discomfort that we feel right now. And that's the irrationality of the human mind we forget. We forget that the lows create the highs. That temporary isn't forever, that you can't stand with any type of authority if you've never before fallen. Accomplishing anything is never just walking up and reaching a goal. It's about getting back up over and over again. Taking the bad breaks in stride and seeing the losses for what they are necessary. What if I told you that the difficult times weren't just manageable, they were what you needed? Those moments when you felt helpless were a bridge to something better, a demonstration of just how capable you are and how strong you can be. Feeling lost, feeling defeated, sure, it's unsettling, but it's also a reminder that you are exactly where you need to be. In one form or another, your struggle becomes your answer. Life isn't always calm seas and sunny skies, but if you let it, it will teach you to weather any storm to come out on top. Never lose sight of the opportunity, it's there hiding behind the struggle, immersed in the ups and downs. And when you know that you will not let yourself stay down, that you'll get up, struggle becomes a building block, not a weight around the ankles. With each stumble, you become taller. With each misstep, you step forward. The problem will never be tough times. It will be refusing to find that next level for fear of their materialization. Regret 
is a choice. And for those who refuse to stay down, it will be a choice that they'll never know. say this verse with me, Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, thank you. Thank you for allowing us to feel your spirit this morning. Your love, your kindness. We want that, Lord. 